Welcome into the September 27th episode of the Locked on Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Some updates from Lease practice today, including some line juggling ahead of Wednesday's preseason game against the Montreal Canadiens. And Dave, we're going to play some cosine, no sign. And with that one, we're going to debate whether or not Dennis Mulgan will be a value signing for the Maple Leafs this season. All that more coming up on today's edition of Locked on Leafs. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Spike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother on TSN's Overdrive and TSN 1050's Leafs Lunch. Joining me, it's my co-host, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet, also writer for the NHLPA. Locked On Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast, so be sure to subscribe for free. Wherever you get your podcast from, you can also now catch us up uh, live on video. Go search for us on YouTube, Locked On Leafs on YouTube. Hit subscribe and get new uh, daily content every day, Monday to Friday, all Leafs, all the time. Lots of stuff to go over today. Um, there's some updates from Camp David. There's been some new lines that uh, kind of are, are, are circulating the webs about what the lines could look like potentially for the game upcoming against the Montreal Canadiens. Um, what's going on though, pal? Did you get a chance to uh, to watch that Jays game last night by chance? Oh, you know it. The Yankees, man. The, the Josh and I are just playing like the Yankees are playing checkers and the Jays are playing chess. No, we do not want Aaron Judge coming up in the top in the top of the tenth to hit. <laughs> and then the Yankees are like, nah, we got Vladdy. We can pitch to him. Think about the star power. And honestly, that was a, a like a playoff esque atmosphere playoff like game last night. Jays walk off the Yankees three uh, two, bottom of the tenth to walk it off in extras. Vladdy with a nice little single out to left field, scoring Kevin Biggio. But tonight, my guy, tonight Austin Matthews enters the dome. He'll be throwing out the ceremonial first pitch at Jays Yanks tonight. And think about the star power that's going to be at that game. Because not only is Matthews going to be there, you know that means that he'll have a couple of his buddies. A couple of the Maple Leafs will be there to take in the game. Uh, so I would guess maybe Marner's going to be around. His best buddy, Michael Bunting, probably will be uh, kind of hanging around there. Maybe Morgan Riley. And then, of course, you've got Vladdy, Bo, all the star power in the Blue Jays. And Aaron Judge could hit the home run ball that would break the record of Roger Maris that has been so, so long since somebody has been able to hit 61 home runs in a baseball season. And, uh, I mean, it, it could happen, and it could happen with Matthews in the building tonight. Kind of, or I think it's kind of cool. I will actually be in the building myself. Oh, look at that. Big D hitting up the Jays game tonight. How many loony dogs are you going to down? Oh, are we putting an over under on that? I have okay. my first ever loony dogs. Will you average at least a dog an inning? No, definitely not. You won't down nine dogs. That's that's not a, like that is a lot for like regular, but 
for the event where it's you know you just you just do it because it's a buck you try and see how many you can consume no maybe if i starve myself i can thing is like i'm not a big hot dog i do like hot dogs i just don't like i'm not one of those guys like yo stops me like a few like i don't eat them in succession can you do me a favor okay since they're only a dollar right they're only a buck can you do the the dog in the beer dunk and try it and see how it tastes just do it just try it for me come on or maybe the straw remember the hot dog straw that that one guy had in new york Oh man, I I tried so hard not like not keep my stomach from turning. I was gross. Got to try it. You got to try it for me, and I want a full breakdown tomorrow on the show. Okay, oh, I for you and for the lovely listeners because you've already now put me on the spot. I will give it a shot. Love it. That's why you're my guy, Mister Dave Morizuti. It it does bring the question though because. You know, a lot of people want to go to that game. And I know we're talking baseball right now. I'll link it back to hockey in a sec. But a lot of people want to go to that game because they want to witness history. But also, apparently this baseball that could potentially be hit, number 61, which would be the first home run that he would hit, is worth upwards of $500,000. If he happens to hit two home runs in the next two games, that second home run he hits, home run number 62 on the year, is reportedly being offered in the $2 million range to whoever catches that baseball. Where are you sitting, David? And if it's not in the outfield, what are you doing? I tried <laughs> to get outfield seats. Not because of that reason, but because I'm going with a bunch of people and they got kids that don't go to Jays games a whole lot. It's been a little while for them. So I'm like, oh, we'll try to get outfield seats and then... I kind of over promise and under delivered on that because I go and like, I would imagine those are the seats that are crazy right now. Yes. Like typically I bet you outfield seats are more money than uh, like those. Then what's that lady like home plate lady, home plate lady. seats yeah. next to her would be cheaper than uh, in the outfield for these next yeah. two games. Yeah. Cause like, and, and, the reason why I were bringing this up and it's a big deal is because this could potentially be one of the like, other than the Jays winning the World Series and winning the first World Series at home. There hasn't been a lot of historical moments in Toronto when you really think about it, like uh, from like a baseball standpoint. You know, we we've seen it with the with the Raptors and what they've done, and we've seen the Leafs you know have history of their own. But like the Jays, other than the World Series, haven't had a whole lot. In terms of historical moments, so this would be a huge thing if this were to happen in Toronto. And I yeah. heard that there was like one guy who bought a bunch of seats in the outfield just for himself. Yeah, but people are gonna go and sit there. It's not what's he gonna say? No, you can't sit in any of these seats. I mean, come on, people are just gonna sit there anyway. Plus, you gotta chase down for that ball. I'm curious what you think the NHL equivalent like would it be. Like when Ovi scores number eight ninety five, would that be the equivalent, I guess, of what the significance of this home run ball would be? I don't know if that would be it because this is just an American League record. Yeah, that's it's true. not it's not the MLB record for in a single season. Like I'm trying to think what would be Well the equivalent might be if like a player ended up. Getting... If you believe in, it depends if you believe in the steroid era or not, realistically. This is also very true. Maybe yeah. this is like the next player to score 70 goals in okay. a season. 
because it hasn't been done in such a long time, that could potentially be the next, like the the, the equivalent to me. Because like, yeah, we haven't we haven't seen this. Or a hundred and fifty point player, perhaps. Yeah, that's that's another that's another one right there. Because like we haven't seen it since. When did Maris hit the 61 home runs? Oh, he didn't. Roger Maris, it's been like yeah. 50 years since that, no? Roger he, Maris. Yeah, I was Roger. trying to remember. It's, yeah, it's pro, It's around the well, around the 60s, I believe, or 50s, 60s. So, like, that's that's a, such a long time ago. It's like. Yeah, it's 1961. A, he hit 61 and 61. That was it. Right. So, and yeah, if you're talking about, you know, Maguire technically having the record of 70 and then Barry Bonds. Yeah, I get that point. But yeah, for me, it would probably be an NHL player hitting seven, no, scoring 70 goals because we just have, you don't, has been done in such a long time. 60 has been done. Like people would have said 60. 60 has no. been done more recently than 70. Yeah, like it was done 10 years ago and then it was done you know a couple years before that and you know 60 goal scores yeah it's difficult and and austin matthews was the first guy to do in a decade but we're talking about something that hasn't been done in the american league since 1961 dude like legitimately like what 60 years ago it hasn't been done in 60 years uh so yeah i i don't even know what the nhl equivalent would be i thought like maybe Ovi if he when he breaks gretzky's record but that might even be a little bit more special just because that's an, an overall record i guess and one that no one thought could possibly be broken although after 60 years i'm not sure how many people sat there and said oh yeah Mar- maris's record someone's gonna break that soon but here we are um it potentially could be broken in the city of toronto with austin matthews it in the building well since he'll be doing the uh ceremonial first pitch just curious if you if you did get that ball like would you hold out for the two million that's being offered or would you give it back to aaron judge for you know whatever he's offering which it doesn't i mean maybe it probably won't be close to the two million dollar mark but like what would you do because there's a lot of people in the state saying Oh, it's a Canadian. They'll just give it back to the team. They'll give it to the Yankees for like season tickets and, you know, signed jerseys and signed baseballs and bats and all that. I'm like, not a chance. I'm holding out for either I'm going to get the $2 million from some random collector who's put that kind of cash on the table or uh, you, Mr. Steinbrenner slash Aaron Judge will need to pay up if you want that baseball back in your hands. No chance I'd be giving that thing up for anything less than $2 million. Not a chance. I see somebody would push the envelope past the $2 million, given I'm Canadian and being like, you're going to have to work a little extra hard on this. because the Amer- And are we talking about $2 million American? I believe it is an American American that, dollar. That's an important, that's a significant factor um, when you look at the exchange rate there. Just going to point that out. Um, but I also just, it, this was brought up when uh, when Pujols hit 700. I think it was when he hit, when he passed A-Rod. Yes. They tried to get, the, they were going to try to get the baseball back, but he actually let the people keep it. Partly because I think he realized, nah, I'm going to hit 700. You can. Well, it, it was sentimental to the other 
other yeah to the, the people who caught it there was like some sentimental it's story to it yeah and like their grandfather or something so they let him keep it but um yeah we'll see if it happens but if it does happen the city of toronto you know with matthews in the building i think that'd be kind of cool um ovechkin by the way 890 or 700 um and 80 he's 115 goals away so he's at 780 yeah 780 is that right now i think 115 away He's got four years left on his deal. He'd have to average about 22 and a half goals over the next four years in order to break Wayne Gretzky's record. That might come up a little bit later. I don't answer it. It might come up a little bit later, my friend. Uh... It just might. But before uh, we get into all of that, David, um, we got to talk about one of today's show sponsors and, Oh, it's one of our best friends, you know, our guys from betonline.ag. Um, today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline. Uh, it has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline, it is where the game starts. And there's lots of new props and odds out there for the NHL. If you missed yesterday's episode, we talked about uh, one that we really, really liked um, and under in the total points market, you could definitely go check out Bet Online right now uh, before the season starts and try and, and make that wager if you feel uh, that you're, you're you want to roll with us here on Locked On Leafs. Uh, but go check out yesterday's episode if you want to see what that play was. Um, we'll be doing some more plays throughout the next couple of weeks as uh, we'll try and address the futures market and how the you can maybe prosper with the Maple Leafs, if they can prosper this season. So a lot more um, of that content to come a little bit later on over the next couple of weeks at BetOnline. It is where the game starts. Welcome back into the Locked on Leafs podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano. Got Dave Morissuti here. We are the hosts of Locked on Leafs, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast. Show's coming at you each and every morning, Monday through uh, Monday through Friday, um, and on today's episode, uh, we're just going to give some updates from practice that, uh, that went down on Monday. So a couple of quick things, uh, Jake Muzzin was skating, uh, as was Pierre Engvall. So I guess both of those guys skating is a relatively good thing. Wouldn't you say Dave? Oh, it's encouraging that they're at least back on the ice. And, you know, we know that Engvall's timeline was early October. October, if I'm not mistaken, so he's yeah. working towards that. October third is going to be reevaluated. Right. So it's good to see that Angle is back in skating. Muzzin, it's working towards him getting back. Uh, I'm curious to see how it changes over the next few days and whether this is he's not going to play on Wednesday. Are they going to just take this very cautious and this very slow? That's that's something I'm very curious about. Um, I just sent you uh, an update, I guess, what Sheldon Keefe had to say about Jake Muzzin and the injury. If you want to pull that up here for our YouTube audience, they can read the tweet from uh, good old David Alter, one of uh, one of the best uh, daily cover guy, daily uh, reporters of the Maple Leafs. But he came out and he said, uh, you know, Sheldon Keefe was speaking and said, quote, there are a couple of things that were bugging him leading up to camp. Actually, can you zoom in slightly on that, bud? 
Yeah, you know, my eyes are deceiving my me. My Chrome is not very good on this. I will I, fix that. We'll pull it up on mine. It's all good. Um, there were a couple of, uh, of little things that were bugging him leading up to camp that really weren't prevalent all summer long. But as things ramped up here, there were a couple of things that were on his radar. But he was feeling good enough to go, but now not so much. It's not related to anything he went through last season, just something he's dealing with right now. Whatever that means. So apparently he showed up to camp. He was feeling good. And then I guess like the next day, he was like, you know what? Actually, I slept funny. I fell asleep on the lazy boy. And now my back's all jacked up. I just need a, a couple of days to, you know, get my body feeling right. And that's where we seem to be. With or, or he went and played some golf and he's like me and maybe – tried to show off a little bit on the golf oh, course oh, back tried to put a little you know tried to maybe extend his drive an extra 15 yards and oh god felt that one it is very it is very easy to hurt yourself playing golf people will <laughs> will joke about it being a non-athletic sport i don't people know apparently modern's a stick like I, I was listening um to i think they put out like a tiktok or a video or some kind um, at the Leafs golf event last week, apparently Muzz is is one of the better players on the team. Perfect. Yeah, two of the better players on the team. So I, I mean, it's possible, but he he sounds like a guy who knows what he's up to on the golf course. But true. you never know. You never know because, yeah, you're right. Monday would have been the the time they're out on the golf course. Tuesday, they showed up for practice or for media day and said, I'm all good. I'm all good. And then maybe he woke up because it's usually that day after where you, you typically feel it a little bit, right? That day, at, not like the next day, but like that following day. And uh, maybe that is what happened. Maybe there was a little tweakage at the, the least charity golf tournament. Anyways, he is back on the ice skating, which is a good thing. Um, hopefully he can return and get into a couple of these preseason games before all said and done. Uh, that being said, the fact that Rasmus Sandin still is not there, I have lost my prediction because I said last week, I believed he would be here by Tuesday. It is now Tuesday morning and Rasmus Sandin has still not signed a contract despite there being ample opportunity for him. What all these people who say he just wants opportunity. It's not about the money. The opportunity's here now, man. So what do you mean you just want opportunity? Clearly, there is a monetary value that Sandin has out there that he wants before coming. It's not the opportunity. Yes, he wants top four minutes, but he also wants to be paid like a top four defenseman or, you know, a not necessarily top, top four defenseman, but wants to be paid accordingly, uh, according to, I guess, what he believes he should be paid, which is different from, it seems like, what the Maple Leafs um, wish to pay him. Uh, I believe there was a update there. Oh, I got it. All right, let's bring it up, because there was an update, and this was from, uh, this from Chris Johnston, right? Yeah. So Chris Johnston put this in his uh, newsletter that he does each week, says, it's believed the Leafs and agent Lewis Gross have focused recent discussions on one and two year extensions. The Sandine camp has sought a one year contract above his qualifying offer, which was 875,000 or a two year term North of the 1.4 million AAV taken by teammate Timothy Lilligren back in June. So, I mean, this is news that we've kind of always assumed and 
we've known that these contract offers have been sitting there. If you want to take eight seven five or nine hundred grand, go that that's what they're offering you on a one year deal. If you want a multi year deal, you're getting the same deal that Timothy Lilligren got. You're matching contracts. That's the way it's going to go. Why he keeps digging his heels in, I do not know. There is a fractured relationship between Sandine, Lewis Gross, and this uh, and and Leafs management, which stems back a couple of seasons. And I wonder if now Sandine's like, look, you guys have overlooked me, passed me up, and haven't given me opportunities for years now. I'm not doing you a favor. I'm digging in on this one. And he seems like he's willing to hold out as long as possible. We'll see who blinks first. Yeah, it just it does seem like there's a bit of a personal. Maybe Sandine is feeling slighted. I get it has not been a smooth two, past two years from him, but you just have to find a way to get yourself on the ice to prove yourself. Yeah, like, you can't do it sitting at home, and you like it's it's just and the and the Leafs right now, I think. Kyle Dubas has kind of learned his lesson a little bit about these standoffs. I don't, he's not going to cave. The only thing that maybe I think maybe will help Sandine and his party is that the longer this drags into the regular season, the bigger problem it causes the least because the pro rate of salary will also make his cap hit go up. Cause remember when Nylander signed his deal, well, People are like, well, he's making close to $7 million. Why is his cap hit $10 million? Well, because when you sign a guy late into the season, it's on a pro, it's prorated for the rest of the year. So what he's actually being paid in salary gets inflate his calor, his cap, it gets inflated because they have to prorate it for the entire season. So that's maybe that's the one thing that Sandin is going to hold out hope for. But I just think it's such a misguided approach in, in for me because. You see other players that have dug their heels on contracts, and a lot of them have legitimate reason to, right? Yeah. I think of like a Jason Robertson in Dallas right now. That's the one to me is like I can see why Robertson would feel one way because we've heard what ownership has said about contracts versus Erasmus Sandin, who frankly just hasn't done much the last two years. And I, I just feel like somebody's just got to get it to. I the, the interesting thing here is William Nylander said he talked to him on Friday, and I'm really hoping Nylander's just like I've been through this. You don't want to do this. Now Nylander got a six year deal out of it. Yeah. If I'm saying just take the one year. I understand that if things can go wrong on a one year deal. You get hurt. It affects your next contract. But you right now the leverage is not in your hands, right? And, I think, and if I think I find the Leafs, you you let him sit as long as he wants to sit. You let him be the one to kind of come to you a little bit because the opportunity you said is there for him to play, for him to at least get opportunity to play higher up in the lineup. I don't think it's that anymore. I just think there's other reasons on top of it that. Frankly, I don't know what the Leafs' solution is is to it. it. It seems like it's like a money slash pride thing at this point. Like he doesn't want to take one on the chin by the Leafs again. So he's like, I'm, I'm, you know, done. Kind of, you know, bowing down to you. It's, it's time you bow down to me for once. It, it feels like that's the situation they're in with Rasmus Sandin, and 
you know, for a kid who's played 88 games in the NHL, I just don't think you have the cachet to do that. They don't owe you anything. Like, they really don't at the end of the day. You haven't done nearly enough in this league to prove that you're indispensable. So to be holding out like this, to be missing this, you know, quality time for you to develop, for you to come in and get an opportunity to skate in some top four, get some top four minutes, skate alongside a Morgan Riley or a TJ Brody or, you know, whoever it might be. And just not being in camp for all this, uh, for all this time, I think is just going to set him back if he ultimately does blink and, and, and come back to Toronto. Um, but, I don't know, man. We'll see what ends up happening here. It's definitely a weird situation, but we're talking about a guy, 88 games, 28 points, and he's looking for a big payday. It's, it's just not going to come. It's just not going to come. bigger payday than Timothy Lilligren, who's actually had a bigger track record of, at least we've seen more from him than we have seen from Sandy. Yeah. Yep, and Sandin had the injury last year too, so it's not even like you can say, oh, he's been healthy. Well, there's been injuries there. Even the season before, injuries. He played a grand total of 10 games the season before, the COVID year. Um, and then last year, limited to just 51 by both injuries and kind of being in and out of the lineup. So it's a guy who over the course of the last two seasons since COVID hit has only played 61 pro hockey games. Like that's and you're gonna tr- and and now you're going to try and hold out and potentially miss some more valuable games at 22 years old. You've already missed a lot of time, man. You got to take this one on the chin and live to fight another day and maybe get back into this fight next year. Uh, that that that's what I believe Sandine should do. But that's uh, that's his prerogative. We'll see what ends up happening. All right, uh, really quickly, why don't we pull up the lines to actually you know what let's take a quick break we'll take a break and we'll get back we'll pull up the practice lines from today uh or from yesterday rather and the ones that we believe will be close to the lines that ended up playing in Wednesday's preseason game so uh we'll be right back you're listening to the Locked On Lease podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. Uh, practice was underway today after an off day on Sunday. So why don't we take a look at uh, kind of the new line figurations that were sent out today by Kyle Dubas. And they look a little bit, or Kyle Dubas, Sheldon Keith. they look a little bit more uh, familiar there, don't they, Dave? At yes. least up front. Up front. <laughs> yeah, you're seeing half... Half, I would say, half Leafs, half Marlies, in terms of how the four lines are. But yeah, the top two, you look at, you see Matthews, Bunting, and Martin, and you're just like, ah, yes, good old faithful, as they say. Like that's that's what you kind of hope for. And then you see the second line, you're just like, mm-hmm, Malgan, Tavares, and Nylander, huh? Yeah, what'd you think of that one? I. It didn't surprise me just based on what Malgan did on Saturday. It's not just the goal he scored. If you really watch that game, he was putting forth a big effort. And he's he's clearly trying to prove something in, in this camp. So I wasn't surprised to see that he was getting uh, that, that bump up. My question here is how much is this is just a potential experiment or... Is this really Dennis Malkin's job 
really to try to seize right now. I, I don't think it is right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if Sheldon Keefe is kind of implying that to him in a way. Yeah, I, I think there's probably like a happy medium there where, you know, it's not necessarily his job to lose. I don't think he's the front runner by any means quite yet, but they're giving him a look and giving him an opportunity to establish himself as that. Right. He looked really, really good with with Willie the other game against Ottawa. And for all intents and purposes, like Dennis Mulligan's a different player today than he was two years ago when he was in Toronto. Right. Like there's a really, really good piece written by Haley Salvian in The Athletic uh, that was put out yesterday that kind of, you know, dictates exactly what Mulligan went through over the last couple of seasons since leaving Toronto, going to Europe, playing in the Swiss League, becoming a point-per-game player, becoming the guy and learning how to kind of, you know, develop into a scorer and a playmaker and a top six man, ultimately, um, and now is trying to translate that success back into the NHL. So, you know, it's it's there on tape. You can see it when you go and you watch some of his games last year in the Swiss League, like last season. Let me look up his stats really quickly. Um, so his first league, his first season in the Swiss League, uh, so like the COVID year, I guess. Yeah, the COVID year, 42 points in 45 games. And then last season, his second full year in the Swiss League, 52 points in 48 games so over a point per game and then had 18 points in 17 playoff games as well for the Zurich uh, Lions so you know there is a lot of success here a lot of success here over the last couple of seasons at the pro level it's not the NHL level but it is the pro level and I know you know ice surfaces are different so he's going to have to adjust back to playing a North American style game sometimes it doesn't translate as well but you know, I, I think that they're going to give him ample opportunity, and he's going to be one of those guys that will be vying for that top six role right there next to Tavares and Nylander. And looks like he's going to be given a great opportunity here in this next game against Montreal if that's how things shake out for Wednesday. Yeah, and Sheldon Keefe said uh, after practice that he he said that every time Malgan had the puck on his stick, something good seemed to happen with it. Yeah. Now. That's good because you want to when you're in a top six role, you want to be able to show you can do things offensively. But we also know that Sheldon Keith wants to make sure that they're not just a one way player, you know, especially if he's considered the third guy in that line on that line. He's going to have to do more than just show what he can do with the puck. So I guess this is kind of going up against Montreal. That's what I'm going to be watching for the most. What's his play like without the puck yeah. in these situations? Because it's easy to be the offensive guy, but then when you're struggling in your own end, it's not always going to go well for you offensively. You got to show the how you can do other things to be productive. And so that's what I'm going to be looking at uh, when when he does play on that line on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really good point. It's not necessarily like don't look at the statute at the end of the night. Dig into the dig into the tape and see what he looked like is off puck play. That's what's going to be kind of important. And I guarantee you that's more so what uh, the coaching staff will be looking for as opposed to whether or not he found the back of the net. Um, yeah. So outside of that, you know, just some guys who are vying for that fourth line position, I suppose. Clifford, Minton, and Anderson as the third line. Minton getting some uh, some looks here. And actually, after practice, Sheldon Keefe 
uh, had some words, said some nice things about Fraser Minton as well. Um, so looks like Minton, the, the Leafs' second-round pick, seems to be kind of showing off for uh, for the coach, for the new coach in Toronto. Um, well, I guess he's not new, but the new draft pick for the current coach in Toronto. It's his new player. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's a good sign. Uh, he said he's gotten better every day since he's been here. And Tavares said uh, he's a very heavy player, smart, just a joy to be around. I think he's a tremendous kid, a great kid. I think we have a good one in him. You know, so you're hearing some good things from the captain, the coach. Uh, we know his game is, is uh, you know, very responsible two-way. So getting an opportunity to be, you know, in between – Anderson and, and Kyle Clifford, I think, is, uh, you know, a, a really good opportunity for him, I suppose, to learn from some other guys who play more of a defensive style game. Uh, defensively, the only thing that really sticks out here is Jordy Ben alongside Morgan Riley. With the injuries, are they going to are they trying to get a look at Jordy Ben as a top pair guy here, Dave? Uh, I I mean, this uh, I'm trying not to overthink this too much because this is probably just a trial run, obviously, because Brody was moved into group two yes. for practices. I guess. So you want to see how I like Jordy Ben? Cause look, yeah. One or two injuries, especially on the right side, Jordy Ben could potentially be a top four defenseman for this team. Just like Victor Mete could, it could be. So I can see why they're doing it. Some like I, I obviously this is not going to be something we look forward to starting opening night unless catastrophic injuries happen. That's that's yeah. where I am on that. Let, let me let me be clear. I am not advocating, nor do I think that Riley Ben will be the number one. I know we're gonna get in the comments. Oh, Ben stinks, blah blah blah. I don't think this is gonna happen, but I do think it's notable that. Ben is getting a run with Morgan Riley just in case injuries pile up. They want to see, all right, what does this pairing look like? That's what the preseason's all about, right? These exhibition games, they're all about just getting a look at different pairings, different groupings, and seeing if somebody can build some sort of chemistry together and see if people can play off each other well. And that's all this really is at the end of the day. And, you know, Ben's a guy who's going to be vying for a, an opportunity this, this week in camp over the next couple of weeks with the injuries to Muzzin and, and Lilligren, and without Rasmus Sandin there, Ben could very well be on this opening night roster. Who are you going to put up on that top pair with Riley if you decide to pair up Muzzin and uh, and Brody? You know, like, it very well could be either Riley Ben or Riley and Justin Hall. So it, it, it I don't believe, nor do I want it to be true, where Riley and Ben are playing together, but it's a possibility, and... I mean, it makes sense, I guess, to give it a go here in preseason. The only other reason why it makes more sense is because Jordy Ben is the guy you expect to stay back and you can give Morgan Riley the green light to kind of do what he needs to do because we're not expecting Jordy Ben to just freelance and decide, hey, I'm going to take this puck up on the rush. That's not Jordy Ben. That's Morgan Riley's job. So I guess maybe that's also why out of all the guys in that group one, Ben is the likely guy to get there to be in that position to play with Raleigh because he he'll probably know better than the other guys, what Raleigh needs in his partner, which is just fall back in case something happens. Safe high floor type of guy, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, defensive defenseman, 
you know, he can kind of just hang back and you're right. So we'll see what it looks like. Um, Outside of that, just some more depth defensemen looking like uh, Dahlstrom and Mete, two other guys vying for, you know, one of those depth spots, the six, seven, eight role um, on the Maple Leafs uh, blue line. And then Matt Murray going to make his first start on Wednesday. He seemed pretty excited, actually, too. He was speaking with the media about what it's going to be like putting on a uh, a Maple Leafs jersey for the first time in a in a game, right? Like he's you know worn one, I guess, in practice and for some photos and stuff. But you know, now he said, uh, "Yeah, it'd be cool for sure." But I'm trying to make the most of it, prepare for game one of the season. You know, that's the first step towards that is playing uh, in tomorrow's game. So Matt Murray going to get his opportunity as well. Well, we'll get an opportunity. Do you feel like there's any? Um, yeah, maybe we can get into that tomorrow. Actually, if there's if there's any any pressure on Murray to perform coming off of Simsonov's really impressive performance in Game One, that's a question I'll hang on to for tomorrow's show, David. I think we'll push Cosign No Sign to tomorrow as well. We kind of ended up going a little long there on uh, a couple of the other. Damn, as with Sandine, which was actually going to be one of my Cosign No Signs. So it's a good thing I'll have to re go back to the drawing board for that. <laughs> exactly. I knew there was going, so I didn't do a, a, a Sandy one because I, I figured we would get there, but I did have a Mulligan one though. So we'll uh, we'll pick this conversation back up tomorrow. Um, we'll tee up the game Montreal and Toronto. Uh, so Matt Murray making his first start as a Maple Leaf in preseason play. We'll see. You know, is there any pressure? On Matt Murray tomorrow. How do you feel it'll go down tomorrow? We'll answer those questions. We'll play a little cosine, no sign tomorrow as well. But that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morris Studio and follow the show at Locked On Leafs. Go ahead, leave a like and a comment down below as well if you're here on YouTube. Uh, we'll be back with an episode tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.